Okay, what's going on, guys? And welcome to a brand new episode of Energize Ross. We have a very special guest on the show, and it's actually not Chuck Liddell's son. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> we have uh, Ian Ward. Ian is going to try and break two world records in the next year or two. So, uh, Ian, you're very, very welcome. Yeah, thanks feeling? for having me on, lads. Uh, today, feeling uh, much, much better. The, the chemo Incorrect. treatment is fine. The answer was off. energized. The answer ah, was energized. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, my the God. Start again. Start again. <laughs> Take four. <laughs> <laughs> now, how are you getting on? I feel like an energizer bunny. Oh, love it. Love it. Perfect. Yeah, okay. B plus. B plus. Not close enough. I'll just give a bit of a background, right? Um, Myself and Ross obviously do a show every week, so for people that are new to the show, how's it going? Um, and then Ross sent me on a message saying Ian got in contact because he has this unbelievable story. Uh, myself and Ross do try and push like mental health, and um, like we, we've done Movember numerous times as well. And we'll be doing it this year as well, Ross, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah. Ian got on to Ross and he sent him like something very serious. And uh, I know this is one, isn't one of our typical shows, but... Um, when someone reaches out with a story like this, you can't help but take notice and uh, invite them on the show. So, Ross, you take it away, but Well, maybe I shouldn't take away. Maybe we should let Ian take away. It is his story. Very true. So, Very true. Ian, do you want to tell us, bring us to, what was it, the 22nd of July? Yeah, but you haven't mentioned that it's all about being the Clontarf heavy sticking together. Well, That's yeah, of course. On the podcast. Well, everyone knows Energize uh, support the Irish and support their own. So, you know what I mean? That's a given. That's a given. Yeah. And uh, when you when you told us your story, it was an incredible story, and it was like that's a story that needs to be told. So, uh, do you want to tell us what happened? Yeah, I'll take it away. So the um, uh, I live over in London, and I've been doing medical trials for ages, just because it's a handy way to make money for like little to no effort. You you put up with some annoying stuff from time to time, but you're essentially uh, you're completely autonomous. You spend your day spent doing whatever you want. So if you've got a lot of backlog of admin that you have to do you can just get it done there and one what time does it pay went, like that depends on what you do so like uh, if you go in and it is a the best one that i did for how handy it was was a hiv vaccine that i didn't even have to spend any of the night time in the hospital i went in uh took the vaccine i think they kept me for an hour and then buggered off and then every week i would go in and give them a blood test so it would be how are you going in show us your arm Zip. all right off you go and then they pay me a hundred quid not in cash or anything like that uh, every single week and then i added up and then i got like three grand for i remember calculating it it was something like three grand for uh 20 hours including uh actually walking to the hospital and back and then that put me on a flight to peru so pretty decent uh, money to get so no, so you're, similar- you're a professional guinea pig for a while. Oh, God, yeah. It was, well, it was just because I, I, um, I do fitness classes and I never liked working as a personal trainer because I found that it was uh, you're constantly just telling people the same thing. People always come in and they just want, um, want weight loss. And I got very uh, disheartened by that. And I found when I was teaching fitness classes, it got to be a lot more mm, competitive might not be the best word, but it, uh, it got to be a lot more sort of real for what I wanted to uh, be teaching. And so in, in England, anyway, the way they teach you or the way they pay you with um, fitness classes, they usually pay you quite well. But the disadvantage of it is uh, that it's, it's never going to be a nine to five job because it's based around people who have nine to five jobs. Yeah. So you'll do your fitness classes early in the morning, uh, around the lunch break and then in the evening. So while you get paid decent wage for the hour, 
you usually have a lot of spare time that you'd want to spend somewhere productive. And so I would always be looking for little um, sort of cheeky ways to make uh, the extra money that would be able to get me not just living a an existing, surviving, but like, you know, actually have a proper life to, to live in terms of cash. And so, uh, yeah, I started doing the, the guinea pig stuff out, out of that. And uh, sure, it's ended up like practically saving my life. So I have a number of reasons to why, uh, why to promote it. Yeah. Can you, tell, so, can you tell us exactly how it saved your life? So I went in and it, they, they, before you do any medical scans, they make sure that you are like as healthy as possible for them to detect. And what I was going in for was something to do with sleep, uh, I think. And so they were saying it was something to do with... Um, I think it was a schizophrenia medication and the way that they, that like, first of all, I was preparing up that scary people to be like, I'm not going in for a schizophrenia uh, medical examination, but it is, they require someone without any form of schizophrenia in order to see what normal brainwaves look like. And I was actually in another medical trial that was to do with sleep three months before. And they had this thing on my head that looked like a scrum cap and it was to, uh, I think it was a CT scan was what it was called. So it was actually looking at brainwaves. And during that scan, they didn't actually detect that there was anything wrong with my head. So I had absolutely no uh, symptoms whatsoever. I didn't have headaches. I didn't have dizziness. Um, I didn't forget things randomly, nothing. And then when I went in to do this MRI scan, they, um, they were then able to say, hey, you, you have a tumor in your head. And I was so shocked by that, like completely taken aback, like what? Like, I don't know, a tumor, like there's no swelling or anything there. And then um, so much so that I was then saying to them, well, um, do I get to do this medical trial then? And they were like, uh, no, you need to go to the doctor and get a second check on that very quickly, even though you're not feeling anything. So I'm here like, fine, I won't do the, the and medical you ne- exam. You never, you, you never had like any inkling at all that like there were you know, something that humor ground nothing at all like no zero headaches. zero nothing absolutely still don't still don't have any symptoms of it whatsoever the only symptoms that i have had are things that are directly related to all my chemotherapy and my brain surgery so it's like all to be expected but still nothing to do with the fact that it is technically cancerous t- a cancerous tumor so I went in and then it was, I had a, a second appointment to, to have straight after the, uh, the first detection. And then COVID kind of came in and made that a more, uh, a far more delayed um, appointment. Originally it was only meant to be like a month, but uh, because COVID stepped in and because it was detected and uh, from the images that they had, they said, this is benign. So it's not an emergency. Like when, when he was talking to me over the phone, the doctor saying we found a benign tumor. They were saying... Um, and what do you first is, think when that was said to you? Like, I, were, you well, I, were you upset? Uh, for, were you like... Not really, feel? because oh, uh, I just started was, uh, was taken aback and I was like, well, what does that mean? Because I, I had no idea what it, what it meant to have uh, a brain tumor because if it wasn't giving me any... If I had gone in and I was like, I'm having really bad headaches... And then they said, yeah, we found out you have a tumor. I probably would have like, you know, absolutely like, you know, bricked it myself because it's like, well, does that mean that I've got like four days to live or something? But because I had no symptoms, it was like, uh, am I in danger? And then he said, no, not really. You, um, what we're going to, what is normally happens when things like this are detected, uh, is they're monitored and monitored and monitored and you get some treatment for it. Um, and then 
you'll normally live a perfectly normal life. Some things you won't be able to do. You won't be allowed to fly a plane. You won't be allowed to join um, the, the uh, fire department. And it's like, ah, I kind of wanted to do that, but I mean, it's not the end of the world. And mm-hmm. I, I how'd, you, say, how'd your family react? Um, oh, I didn't tell them the first time because it was, it was benign. And my, my dad's a worrier. So I was like, there's no need to add this in. I'll be at home and I'll be, like having a drink over Christmas and they were like, is that not bad for you? Is that not bad for you? You can't do that. Don't do that. So I was like, let me just avoid that, uh, that minefield for now. And then when the second, uh, I went to the second appointment about six months later, just when COVID was finally sort of not going down in how many people were affected, but down in terms of the, the hospitals were then getting a handle on um, how, to, how to manage it. And when they brought me back in and they did the second scan, they were like, oh, this seems like it's still benign, but it is growing. And so while they did say down the line, you might need brain surgery, they said, okay, well, you actually need brain surgery now. Uh, again, it's completely optional. You don't have to do it, um, but it's advised. And so I was like, all right, well, I mean, if it's advised, then, then let's do when, it. When they said now, did they mean there and then? Uh, no, I kind of would have preferred if it was uh, there and then to be perfectly honest, because it would just be like, you know, this is happening. We already in the hospital. Go, go do it. Yeah. Go do it right now. Because the whole thing they said was like from the six months before to now, they said it's growing and they, he he showed to me like, you know, I know you can see the image here and it looks a little bit bigger, but you got to remember that it is a tumor. So it comes in in a spherical object. So a little bit bigger on a spherical object means that it's actually far larger like think about it in planets if a planet is that big but then it's actually this big it's probably twice its mass so he was saying your tumor has grown by 30 percent so when they said all right we'll book you in uh, it'll be a month i was like i don't want to wait another month if it grew 30 percent in six months then that means that it was like what five percent so it should be 35 percent larger if i wait another month so i was yeah. like do it now but like it's the nhs and it's during covid so i wasn't going to start like you know I need to have this right now. There's yeah. no point. Had mm. you, you told your, your family then uh, at that stage? A little bit. So after that happened, I was like, okay. <laughs> How did you tell them a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> well, I still waited a while because it was my bro. I found that out on like the 22nd of May and my brother's birthday was the 20. Uh, oh, sorry. My brother's birthday was the 22nd of May and I found this out on the 20. Sorry, 26th. Good God. And so I was there thinking, ah. I don't want to muck up his birthday, so I'll, I'll wait till that passes. Because my brother has two kids, so my, uh, my parents live nearby. So the whole family would have been up and like having a, a lovely time. So I didn't want this sort of um, elephant in the room. It wouldn't have been an elephant in the room. They would have said something about it, but it would have been like, you know, well, this has spoiled the party. So I was like, I'll wait till after that and then, uh, and then let them know. I was also considering not telling them whatsoever. And then just sort of calling them after the surgery, be like, hey, I'm just out of hospital. It all went well. And then tell them what happened because, I mean, you can't hide a scar. Yeah, no, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think they'd thank you for that, you know? <laughs> they probably wouldn't have, but at the same time, it would have been like they wouldn't have to have gone through any worry. And then also mm. because of COVID, I knew if I tell them, they're going to want to come over. And they're in their mm. 60s, so they are, they're not in the elderly category, but they're closing in on it. So they would be more. Uh, uh, risky and Ireland was handling COVID a lot more strictly than the UK so I was worried that if they come over they're more likely to get it 
so that was a factor as well but it was uh it was mostly i i hate the idea of uh people being like constantly asking me are you okay though are, are you doing okay I, I, know, I know you're going through a thing that I'm not going to mention, but are you, are you okay? I, I can't stand that stuff. So I wanted to try and avoid it as much as possible. And I kind of felt like if I tell my parents, I probably got to, I asked advice from my, my mates back in Ireland. Like, should I tell my parents now or should I tell them a little bit later? And then I was like, all right, well, if I tell them, I've got to tell the outer family as well because loads of them live in London. So it would be unfair. It would seem like I'm cutting them off. And then it kind of became this thing of, oh, well, if I tell them, I have to tell them and I have to tell them. And then my cousins have, uh, have we're in similar friend circles over here as well. So it's like, you're just going to have to tell everybody. <laughs> There's no yeah. way of getting around this. And did, did you ever consider moving home at any stage when all this is going on? Nah, um, uh, not really. Like there was, because I, I, I knew straight away, like being home is great. But once you're... Once you've lived alone, moving home, no matter how cool your parents are, and I do get along with my parents, but there's just little things that then sort of take little steps on your independence, and it's not their fault. It's not like they're being unreasonable in what they're asking, but it just sort of makes you feel like a child. Yeah, you're right. So, parents are paying pain, pain the hole sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I literally, the last Christmas that I was here, I had to... I'm not allowed to say that because I am one. <laughs> <laughs> well uh i'm not there yet but hopefully at some point but the uh at, over christmas the yeah it would have been no it would have been last year it would have been 2019 uh, at one point i actually had to go up to my brother's house and just stay there for a couple of nights and he wasn't even in the house his uh his wife was from cork and he had gone down to cork with her and i was just like i just need a break i just need to get out <laughs> I just yeah. need to like, you know, be able to watch a film without someone coming in and being like, why did you not clean up that plate? We clean up the plate straight after you've eaten from it. It's like, ah, I guess it um, like, obviously you're a 31 now. And um, like after you, after you went and got the operation and all, like what, what goes through your head when you're like lying in bed, you know, like you sort of like, there's so much stuff I haven't done or, or so much stuff like, I wanted to change. Like what, like what, what sort of goes through your head now looking forward, you know? Yeah, well, like the sort of the idea, of the bucket list thing um, didn't really come into my head too much because I kind of wrote a bucket list when I was younger just for the, for a laugh. But like, there's not really much on there that it's like you know, see the pyramids. There was never really anything like that that was um, uh, something that could be solved with going out there and just you know taking buying a flight ticket to somewhere. So it was like uh, none of that really bothers me. And at the time. Um, after my brain surgery, uh, I had made a load of videos that I hadn't edited or uploaded from my channel. And so the idea was, was that if I, um, if I have problems with my speech, it, it will go undetected because I am releasing videos that I previously shot. But um, so like go, uh, go without noticing that I had the surgery. But then when my speech healed so quickly, I was like, all right, I can speak now. So I may as well continue making the videos. And if I'm going to do that, uh, someone is going to see the gigantic scar on the side of my head. So I may as well address that. And I thought the way I would address that would be to um, uh, start pushing a small charity for the Macmillan Cancer Society because they were, uh, they were sending me, they still are sending me money once a week to just sort of uh, get by in comfort. So that's what the original plan was. But then when I went in for my second meeting and they were like, okay, we've finally done a biopsy on the tumor. 
even though it's great that you've recovered like miraculously from your speech, we thought that that would last six months to a year. Uh, you now yeah, have your speech is brilliant. Your speech is brilliant. Like you're absolutely perfect. It's, it's back to normality. It's because when they said that the um, the surgery that you're going on uh, in for, we don't do this to young people. It's very rare. And what's even far more rare, like twice as like sixty times as rare as that, is that you're coming in here with no symptoms. So my surgeon he deals with like three people a week. He has a large content or a large amount of people who he has dealt with. And he said that there was one other per- person in his whole career that not only he had worked with, but he had heard of that was my age and went into surgery asymptomatic. So he was saying, you, you have this tumor that we are now classing as stage three, but because with same with the brain surgery, we thought that it would take X amount of time and it hasn't. You've recovered so much faster because you're young that while we say you've got six years on, but they didn't say you always have to ask. We like on paper, the estimate would be six years on average, but the average person that we're taking that data from is in their sixties. So you have a young person's brain. So it's like, we have no idea how long um, you, this is going to affect you. All, we're, all our knowledge is based off of um, data on people that are not in your demographic. So we have an idea, but it's not solid at all. Yeah. Is this hereditary in any sort of way? Like, or, or did you tell your parents and family after and, so they could go get checked as well? Um, no, the, the, the doctor, when he said you've got a tumor and it's straight away, he was like, and we have no idea how you got it. These are completely, we have not uh, discovered while they are, uh, how they are, uh, detectable. We don't know if it was, you know, there's loads of rumors like, you know, oh, it's having mobile phones. It's having this, it's having that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like, we have absolutely no idea what caused this. So don't start looking, um, for reasons in your, in your, like it, I wouldn't say past life, like it's a sort of a karmatic thing, but like, don't look back in your past and think, well, maybe it was this, maybe it was, you know, maybe it was not enough did, cigarettes. Did, you know? did you ever consider that it could have <laughs> been the medical trials and you were taking low, like random drugs? Well, that's one thing that I would have thought had they not said, we have absolutely no idea what has caused mm. this. And also I never took all the medical trials that I did. <clears throat> none of them were uh, to do with uh, uh, brain stuff. So again, it would have given me, a big uh, reason to not think that because it was like uh, stuff, stuff to do with a, a paracetamol medication, a fake par- or a new paracetamol medication, and they gave me fake um, dead bacteria. So when your body has dead bacteria, uh, it still is provoked to have an immune response as if it's real bacteria. So you get the fever, you get the, uh, the, the sort of the, the thing that the flu is famous for, you get those symptoms but then it dies off so quickly because it's like your body is able to tell, oh, these are dead bacteria, false alarm, shut down all the um, defense mechanisms. And uh, I can't remember all the other ones off the top of my head. But the, would, you, um, would you have given them a list of the stuff that you've gone in and previously been treated for? They would have already had a, a medical list of that because okay. it's all on the same um, medical register. And what about, so, and what about like, would you, like, obviously you're into fitness and stuff. Would you have done like steroids or like, like the oxygen stick? Would you, would you smoke cigarettes as well? No, I never actually smoked. I like, I smoked cigarettes the odd time when I was drunk, but like, I would be shocked if it was enough, uh, enough cigarette. I like over the course of my life, I would say it's definitely under 
40 cigarettes because I would never even smoke a whole one myself. It would be like, I'm going to have a drag off look this. Cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only in the leather jacket. Just with a Tinder profile. Smoke like that, you know. And then, uh, Ian, you said you were stage three. How many stages are there and what are the difference between the stages for people who don't know? I wouldn't be able to tell you the difference in the stages. All I know is that there is four. And I can't remember. I need to ask them again in the next meeting because they said this, uh, the tumor is uh, not cancerous. But then when I looked up what the thing is defined as, um, in, like, in some, some of the places that I looked it up, it's uh, a glioblastoma. And I was like, okay, well, here it's classed as cancer. And then looked somewhere else. I was like, okay, here it's not classed as cancer. And so I'm sure I need to ask my, um, the next time I go. It's not like it makes any difference to me because they said this is the amount of uh, years that we predict that you have. And that's what I've been basing my um, sort of thought process off. So if they said, um, it doesn't matter what they've said. And like, you have cancer, you don't have cancer because it's still the same amount of time that you have left. So it's like, it wouldn't really make much of a difference to me. And but, what was their latest sort of prediction on that? The latest prediction uh, was when it, it was from the original one. So they haven't changed what they uh, okay. predicted was like, you know, life expectancy and uh, uh, treatments and all that sort of thing. So I will be getting an MRI uh, very soon and then there'll be a meeting afterwards. But I would imagine nothing will be different in what that MRI will determine because uh, I was only thinking about this earlier on. With, with different forms of cancer, you can usually have a sort of a, a hopeful expectation that it will go undetected. Now, they never say that you are cancer-free. They just say that the tumor is no longer uh, visible with scans, so meaning that it's a tiny aspect of whatever is in your body, but it is still very likely to still be in your body. It's almost guaranteed to still be in your body. And that's what remission is. Remission is when they, they do another scan because they'll constantly be scanning you. Um, they do another scan and they're like, okay, it's come back. So with uh, brain cancer though, there's never any moment where they're like, hey, we're no longer detecting the tumor because they can't hit the brain tissue with the same level of intensity as if you had colon cancer or if you had lung cancer because uh, you can... Your lung can heal, your colon can heal. You can even lose a lung and lose a significantly large part of your colon and you'll still be able to live fine. But I mean, I don't think it takes any brain surgeons to know that if you lost a huge chunk of your brain, you wouldn't be operating um, properly. So when they actually do the brain surgery, the whole point is not to take uh, as much of the tumor away as possible. It's to take, um, it's more, the, the main goal is to take as little brain tissue as possible that is tumorous so how's your, how's your mental health been over this because like i can't help but listen to you i just feel like really really sad like because i'm like <laughs> it's, it's mad how in the world like you're just constantly focused on everything like i'm sure ross you're the same like you're like right your sole aim is to make sure to has like a well, to be honest, great life this is from, from my point of view i almost see it as the opposite way uh like well from listening to ian's story i don't actually feel sad it makes me feel very lucky on my situation and it gives me a far more positive outlook on life but only because listen to Ian being so positive but Ian uh, as well, good, much lot of people are uh, I wouldn't want to think that I start talking to someone and they go oh fuck it's like, no 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 <laughs> it's the worst more, thing in the world no it's more like it's more like the, like, the, oh, like the way you're so young and then the way that's just sort of happening and like obviously looking at your stuff online you're so like out there and you're so uh, enthusiastic about stuff yeah you're always in great form but like <laughs> 
at the end of the day, you're the only person that goes into the room. Whether whether who else is into the in the room as well, but I mean, uh, you're the only person that looks in the mirror and it's like like how are you actually feeling like is like has it gotten too much? You like have you broken down any sort of stage and you're like right, let's go again, or have you really really mm-hmm. sat down and taken it all in? You know, this is a big big transition in your life. Honestly, not really, because it it all goes with the the lack of symptoms. It means that it's sort of I'm. I've been thinking about this loads and I don't think it's some sort of a huge sense of like overwhelming courage and bravery that I need to get over this. I think it's just like when you can't see what's the enemy, it's difficult to have the fear of it. So it's like there's loads of incidents of people that are, um, there's something dangerous coming in at them and because they can't see it yet, they're all sort of still be like, you know, it's part of the reason why COVID is like, uh, has so many problems. It's because, when people aren't being affected by it, they're like, ah, you don't need these masks. Like, you know, I don't need to wash my hands. And then all that keeps going on until like, you know, someone in their family gets covered and they're like, okay, maybe I need to wear the masks and wash yeah. my hands. So it's like, it only sort of feels um, personal and real until something like that has happened to them. So it's the same sort of thing where nothing is different in how I'm able to, act in life and when they're saying the chemo and the radiotherapy fair enough that is different it makes me uh it makes me feel really groggy and tired but they've said this will pass it's it like it's almost completely unlikely especially with you being as young as you are that you won't make a full recovery from the negative symptoms of this treatment you probably won't go through the worst of the uh the symptoms because of your age so you'll get a very light uh, touch on this one and it's so far it has been true the only thing that i'm waiting on now is for this side of my hair to grow back everything else has been um sprang back to normality i'm back to the a normal level of uh energy in the morning my diet was never really affected by it much but there's no longer any uh feelings of, of sickness or nausea so it's it's basically like a, a very long hangover and then like obviously this is where it- you got in contact with Ross and you're, you told him what you have planned coming up. Is it in 2022? Uh, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we don't know how COVID's going to affect things, but uh, I was going to do the uh, 2021 London Marathon, but just to sort of do it as a promotional thing. Um, it's unrealistic that I would be fit enough to try and break the, the second world record or uh, have enough of a... Um, have enough of an audience and get enough of, of donations in order to break the first one. So I was like, all right, maybe a year it's achievable if you are laser focused on it. And worst case scenario, you don't achieve it that year. You just try it another year and you'll probably be fitter by that stage. And even though it would be me starting the, uh, the funding would go back down to, to zero and restart. I think the thing that I'm, uh, the, the premise of how I think I'm going to succeed in this is by having uh, a large audience that I can do live streaming events to uh, and entertain them and find little trigger points for being like, like the, think of the exact same thing with like the, the uh, US or the, um, the UFC drinking game. I never played it myself, but it's like, you know, every time uh, the, the announcer says, it's time, you've got to drink a shot. So do the exact same format. But like, you know, um, one that I was, the original idea that I was going to have was uh, play the game uh, Call of Duty Warzone. And anytime I get a headshot, because I have my own headshot, you've got to donate like 
five euro, five pound, five dollar, whatever. Uh, to Pretty good. The, not really. That's why <laughs> I'm okay. I'm manageable. And so that was the whole kind of premise is that I'm not that good. So if I like, it's the whole thing of like, how about instead of the normal thing that people would follow on YouTube, which is an excellent player, why, follow, why not follow like a mediocre player and his journey to become decent at it? And then, so it's like, every time I get a headshot, you've got to donate the money. And so that was the premise of it. Like if you have, uh, a large audience, say maybe 100,000 people are watching that and you do a load of different stuff. Another one I wanted to do was go out to Berlin and do the Berlin Marathon, except you're only allowed to do it uh, drinking beer rather than drinking water and get a load of people to do that as well and then get a load of people to do it recorded. And then every time you pass by three miles or every time you um, down a pint, that's when the prompt point is for people to... Um, to donate and you can either have it like you know every time you make three miles without getting sick you've got to donate or every time you do get sick you've you've got to donate something like that where it's basically like someone's watching an episode of jackass except they're being asked to cure cancer and that, that's uh that's the london marathon 2022 you're aiming to do well the london 22 one is a very serious one that's me just running um uh running the race as well it's just me running the race the second part of the world record that I'm trying to break is uh, marathons are uh, really open for fun little charitable things. And uh, what the Guinness book of world records added into that was they then legitimized all these world records that your average Joe can end up achieving. Now they do get harder and harder and harder uh, as the years go by, because more people do them. But if you dress up as something, the Guinness book of world record will let you be the fastest person dressed as that thing. So you can like wear a suit and it's like the fastest person to run a marathon in a suit. And that one's actually quite hard. <laughs> they've, um, someone's done that very quickly, but they've got loads of different things. They've got like loads of soldiers do ones that are um, fastest marathon with like 80, um, 80 pounds on their back. So like 40, 40 kilos on their back and people do things like fastest dressed as a, a horse so there's two people you know like dresses the horse thing and it's how yeah. fast they do fastest um kicking a ball like m- mad stuff like that people do the you never able to do that one in dublin because if someone's how you doing that in dublin someone will come, come around and volley your ball out of the way they would <laughs> <laughs> kicking in the milky know- <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a great way to go over and just puncture their ball ha! do it now but um, uh I, w- I wouldn't do the ball one. When I saw- heard of the ball one, I thought like, that is so dangerous for everyone else around them. Because if you kick the ball too far, you could so easily make someone snot themselves on it. Question, yeah. could, you, could you actually do a, do a double one? Could you actually be uh, the, fir- like the fast person to ever run the marathon while carrying a rugby ball? Because obviously you play rugby. I don't know if I've ever heard that one before. I haven't heard that one myself, but uh, I guarantee that there is someone that has done that and there's a record of it. Because I'm sure if there's one kicking a ball, there's someone holding a ball. Yeah, yeah. So like, even, you're going to have to come up with something there anyway. Well, well the one that I was, uh, chose to select was that because, one, it's difficult. It's very difficult, but it's also just about achievable, I think, I hope, is um, the video game character one. Because it was like the thing that I started my YouTube channel based on was video games and i'm still doing video game stuff on it but i thought all right well that's that's perfect so it's something that is already connected to um 
what you are doing and then also it is like the one there's one that i'll, I'll probably get it just because i could but the the one where it's a person who's run the marathon as a patient someone did that and um they're just dressed as a patient they don't actually have to be a patient and i mean your arse is out i don't think so i would well, definitely do Scotland. it with my arse out i would 100 percent do it with my arse out absolutely but i don't think this guy did and uh, his one is three hours, 45 minutes. And my best one was three hours, 30. So I could, I could wear the, um, the hospital gown and snag that one. So then I thought that would have been too easy to get one that I've already kind of passed that time. And so the, the, uh, the, video game. Video get, the, the video game one is less than three hours, which is hard. Like doing a sub three hour marathon is, it's, it's not running a four minute mile, but it's like running a four, four thirty. Like it is, it's very difficult to do. It's what, a mark of achievement. What, what character would you, are you thinking of dressing up as? I haven't uh, finalized that yet because what the, the biggest problem with that is wearing any sort of a costume, especially when you have to run a fast marathon is going to deeply affect how well you can run it. So yeah. what I was going to do is, um, try to find a character that I could do. That's not going to hold me back too much. It's not gonna be too much of a hindrance. And then whoever is on my, uh, my channel, give it up to them and say, all right, you vote. And the way you vote is with donations. So who, whatever video game character earns the most amount of money, that's the character I'll be, but leave it open to the, um, uh, to the people who follow the sort of the, the goal or the journey. And like, that's another way that I'm going to try and uh, earn the money the whole way through. Is just let people um, make choices on what I'm doing with, like, let their money be their vote. I was also thinking of auctioning off, like, a part of my skin and being like, all right, that, you get to tattoo whatever's there if you've, if you've put the money in. Yeah, but I saw you, you said that, and I was, I was just like, that's... That loops. That, that is pretty <laughs> loops. That's pretty cool. But um, is there, is, have you got like a, a specific website or do you want people like that or where you want people to go directly to get in contact with you? And like, the, I, can, I can link it just in the bio so people know where to look. Yeah, originally I had all these uh, like creative ways or like creative worded ways of like, you know, I'll think maybe I'll use that for the channel. So I had like a cancer, not cancer and fighting cancer with cancer and all these sort of silly things. And then the first time I did a podcast, it was like, oh my God, how are you going to tell the lads like these seven different things that you've come up with? One for your Twitter, one for your thing, one for your Facebook. And so then I got my own website um, and that's just a cure cancer or die trying.com. And in that is like the, the funnel to all the other things. So you can go straight to the just giving page. If all you want to do is uh, give money and then bugger off you can see the youtube uh, channel you can see the facebook thing twitter all the works there and there's right. the email there if you want to uh do something that's a bit more like uh if you would like me on your own podcast or if you want to give sponsorship or something that's a bit more sort of uh, i haven't mm. found out the better word for it but something that's a bit more business related all right i'm gonna make sure right you have to make sure you send me on that that um the website i'll put it in the bio and then you also make sure you comment on this video and then I'll, of course, I'll, yeah. I'll, pin, I'll pin your comment to the top so people know directly to go onto your YouTube channel as well. Yeah, will do, man. Also, uh, Ian, on your own Instagram, 
we'll show you how to do it afterwards. You need to like go into your edit profile and put in that website as in the website bracket instead of in your bio part, how it's actually clickable. Because okay. it's not clickable on your Instagram. Yeah. yeah, my Instagram is not really, I haven't tried to use that as any sort of a, a thing to connect the others. My Instagram is basically just for all my mates. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you, know, but you need every little bit of help you can get. So you need to start getting on the gram too. Yeah. yeah, I probably thought of that. The same thing, with like uh, I was even going to start a TikTok account and uh, basically just make a piss take of all other TikTok accounts, but uh, I haven't quite got around to that. And uh, Reddit was another one that I've, uh, I've literally got like a list of things that I need to uh, start doing on social media, but I actually don't like using social media that much from the start. So yeah. I was like, oh God, I'm going to get so distracted so often. I'm never going to get anything done. Okay. Well, you're going to have to get used to liking it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Are you able to donate? Are you able to donate now on on that website you have now? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so all the links are in there for the um, uh, the just giving. Just giving is the direct one because um, that you just click on the just giving ones and straight away it goes to the the charity things. All the other things do link to the just giving, like all of the the YouTube uh, videos that I make. If you look to the description, you can always click onto the the direct promotions, even if the videos are completely unrelated to anything to do with uh, the charitable cause, because like I still just release things that are just, I think they're funny. So I'll just like, I got a dog recently. So like, I think I put up a video where it's just my dog fighting with my mom's dog. There's nothing to do with like, you know, yeah, remember uh, cancer research, blah, 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 blah. I just recorded these two dogs fighting and put that up, but then had the link written in there completely unrelated. So all of them, I'm hoping it are, have some form of, uh, filter to go back to the um, the main goal of it all. All right, I'll make sure to donate this week anyway, 100. percent I know Ross, I know Ross because he's absolutely scabbed. <laughs> <laughs> he owes me this UFC glove for ages, right? And then I'm after winning there on the weekend, he still hasn't sent it. He just, you know what I mean? You know what? You know, you're a man who's into your fitness, right? Barry doesn't show up to the gym sessions, and uh, yeah, I was meant to bring it to the gym sessions, and he, he missed five in a row. So, like, I just thought I didn't he miss five in a row. I, thought, I, I, I actually, I, I actually thought you were tired, to be honest. I'm top. <laughs> get your uh, call up your brother and get him to be like in you know, a free personal training session. You mad? That fellow wouldn't give you anything uh, uh, <laughs> um, for free. Yeah, he keeps everything trapped. All right, so like, um, like first of all, Ian, thanks Mill for coming on. Um, is there is there anything else we should go over as well, like to look out for? Because like I'm definitely going to be following this. This is a it's not every day. Like myself and Ross just started doing this for the crack, and then all of a sudden we've had like such unbelievable guests on, and then like I don't think I don't think his story has been as deep as this, Ross. What do you think? No, I think I think Ian's story is. I I don't know always to describe it. It, it. It's like slightly outlandish, but also like it's. Really cool that it's he's taken something that like has destroyed people's lives, turned it into a positive thing, and trying to do something for others. And in you have such a positive outlook on life, it's actually made me look more positive on my life. I was like, geez, the amount of stuff I complain about that is like absolute bullshit. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I was like, here, look, some people actually have a hard rock, so like, just pull up your socks and uh, keep on uh, keep on playing forward. You know what I mean? So uh, you know, thanks a million for coming on to. Uh, share your story, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much for having me on in the first place. Yeah, Ian, I was looking up. When's the London Marathon meant to be on in 2022? April. It's always on in around April time. So, um, big, big part of the reason I really want to try and get this the first time is because I do BJJ myself. And after this, 
I can't risk breaking it, like, you know, having a knee hurt or anything like that. So I can't wait to get back to, like, you know, getting into the uh, sparring with the lads. So that's, that's probably one of the biggest motivations that I have at the moment where it's like, because I don't actually like running these days. I used to like it way back in the day, but uh, I kind of got sick of it. But it's like, yeah. it's the best way to earn money for, uh, for charity. So I was like, ah, come on, you got to get back into it now. Actually, that's only because everyone knows how hard it is. Like, no one, only weirdos actually enjoy running. <laughs> yeah. Once you get fit enough, you do actually start to enjoy it because you you're running at a, at a good clip, and then the rest of your body isn't hard. And so if you're listening to music that really like sort of gets the listen to a bit of Chemical Brothers and like gets the beats going, and then it's like ah oh, yes, you start getting the endorphins as you're running, and so it becomes less of a chore. But it takes a long time to to get up to that point. And I'm I've never reached that now. point. I've never reached that <laughs> point. I don't know if I ever will. I used to do a long distance running myself. I might actually like do this in 2022. If you're going, sure, you'll probably be in London anyway. Uh, Ross won't be at go. He's not allowed to do anything anymore. <laughs> but uh, you can do a, we'll do it backwards, Ross. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the record for that? Like, it's, it's actually probably very impressive, you know? It's probably like say, three hours, 20 minutes or something. I'd say it's freakishly high because like, <laughs> someone has definitely thought of doing that. Yeah. But, uh, you can join in. Like, there's, there's loads of them that I've, uh, that I've come up with that I want other people. Like, I want people who want to uh, uh, join in just for the crack. And uh, like, one of them that I wanted to do was uh, do a doctor-patient one where someone, it's like t- a tandem team. One of them is in a, uh, a wheelchair and the other one is behind them. And they're both, well, one of them is dressed with the, like the doctor jacket, like the, you know, mm. the medical, medical jacket thing on. And then the other person is dressed like a patient. And so one person is pushing the wheelchair while the other person is uh, sitting in it. And then the only rule is that when you switch, you can switch anytime you want, but when you switch, you've got to change clothes. So only a doctor is allowed push. So at that point, it's like if you're running a marathon, you, like sitting in the chair might actually be a bad thing because it'll make you seize up. But you, you. You'd, have to, you'd have to agree when the changeover was like that's the only changeover of the day yeah it might like that might be what it is like you're there training like training for a half marathon both of you train for a half marathon one person is in the seat and one person is pushing but the, the first person will want to do more than half because like I'm sure if you're sitting down in a wheelchair for two hours when the first person goes like oh, yeah. the first part getting up and then being like right now you run it's like fucking hell my legs are banjacks yeah they really would jesus would you, oh, tell, would you be telling them to hurry up or slow down because you know your time is coming like you know <laughs> it's like mate you can do one more mile back there well, you have more <laughs> left of them legs see what one i mean lads, you you lads are already thinking about the tactics for what you need to do it so that's yeah. why the, i know you're messing great we, we, we've done it we've done one before it's just like we don't get in contact people don't get in contact with us to do it so like when an opportunity oh, wait, 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 when we do one before we don't charge you we didn't run the marathon no, not marathon. I'm just talking about like doing stuff for charity in general. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. But uh, yeah, here, look, I'm definitely going to be watching this space because uh, I might have to get the run shoes on. But uh, uh, Ian, like, here, let us know where people can find you, please. Uh, well, yeah, the best one is definitely if you go on uh, curecancerordietrying.com and then that is the connection to uh, all the other things. The things where you'd find the, the most are um, my, the Facebook involves like a daily diary, which someone advised me to do. Uh, it's definitely very amateur because I haven't got it properly organized at all. I keep getting info from her being like, you know, no, you need to like plan what you're about to say beforehand. Stop just going on and being like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about today. Yeah. So hopefully that improves uh, with, with experience. And then the YouTube thing is, um, 
it's basically an excuse for me to uh, write sketches and make jokes and play video games. But then every so often it will also be me um, at about equal ratios. It's then involved with me doing the exercise. And again, you can find that all on the, the Cure Cancer uh, or Die Trying we uh, website. But um, well, each, those are the two big things that involve the most uh, involvement from me. Perfect. Well, guys, if you've enjoyed this video, I'm sure you have. Uh, again, Ian, thanks for coming on. Just make sure to like, share, subscribe, and as always, stay energized. <laughs>